1: the parable of the sower and the soils it is a fascinating parable that we are exploring today here on truth for today with pastor phil howard According to Jesus, there are several types of soils or several types of hearts that would receive the gospel. And the sower is also included in this parable. Hi there and welcome to Truth For Today. We're exploring this parable found in Luke chapter 8, verses 1 through 15. We invite you to spend time with us today as we explore this parable together in our series called The Parables of Luke. From Valley Bible Church in Hercules, here's Pastor Phil Howard and today's broadcast of Truth For Today.
2: You see, the sower has many competitors. The seed is under great stress. Shallowness, thorns, birds of the air. Too many people have trampled over the soil of your heart so that what used to be plowed up soil has become hardened, dead, dirt cement, so that you hear sermons, but you no longer hear God. You set through services, but you no longer hear the voice of eternity. You've learned to endure the sermon. You've learned to build, put up a shelter somehow, why you would attend this church week after week and do that. The only way I would know is the devil's telling you stay religious enough so you can go to hell smelling like religion, but you're still lost. The seed must be embraced, held on to, so that fruit springs out of your life. Choked to death, you cannot love the world and the Father at the same time. You cannot serve God and money. God will not be prostituted. There is one God in him only, and him only shall you serve with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. He wants all of you. And you must have all of him. And then uh, uh, the responsive heart. I think of the first one we have, the hard heart. We have the shallow heart, the choked heart. And now we come to the responsive heart. And what do they do? This soil is said to be excellent, and it does three things. Uh, It holds fast to the word. It's a strong word. It means to not bail out. It means perseverance. And then it uses a word, they're patient with this seed. Uh, And that, that is, they remain under pressure. It's a little word, hupomone. We commonly see it in the Bible. But they get a patient, they're persevering, they're patient in the growth period, no bailing out when a trial comes. No bailing out for this. No excuse about, I've got to get riches, I've got to get money, I've got to have fun. They're patient on this word and on this growth process. They remain under whatever pressure. You know, when you put that seed under the soil, it's a miracle that that which outweighs it by a thousand times will not keep the seed from sprouting. The germs that are in that seed, when the creator says the right word and we're coming to spring, all through the weight and the pressure and the tonnage in comparison, that little seed's light and you put maybe a pound of dirt, two pounds, it doesn't have a chance. All oh, the life, the life of the seed will be able to withstand the pressure of the dirt. And it will pop up through that soil. And it will come up. And there's just some folks says, man, they won't get saved. It's too hard to be a Christian there. The seed in the heart can withstand anything. Our brothers just come back from Bangladesh, where it's tough to be a Christian. may cost you your life. Not many riches. Not much of this world's popularity. Nobody should be getting saved there when your life could be killed when 99% of that population is hostile to your faith. Why do hard times and persecution keep true believers going? Because this seed they hold on with all their life. They're not drag-up artists. Uh, Good fruit will be born. Uh, Warren Wiersbe said this, It is important to note that none of these first three hearts underwent salvation. The proof of salvation is not listening to the Word or having a quick emotional response to the Word or even cultivating the Word so that it grows in a life. The proof of salvation is fruit, for as Christ said, you shall know them by their fruits. Be careful how you listen. Some people listen hardly at all. Some listen merely to be entertained as they heard Ezekiel. Some listen in order to find fault. Some listen in order to hear God. Um, what kind of response have you given the Word of God? I want to say something that uh, I think would be interesting for us to think about. When you look on the human race... And you were going to find the most likely place where the soil would be in a condition to receive the word of God. Where do you think the most likely place would be? Let's say Wall Street. Wall Street brokers and bankers. What kind of soil do you think that is normally? Well, it'd come under the thorny pleasures, money, riches, wealth dominates these men. That's what they're about. You've got to break into that. Did you know, according to God's word, God does save the rich, but it is a miracle above the ordinary miracle because it's like getting a camel through the eye of a sewing needle. God says it. Jesus said it. It is hard to save a rich man. Now, what's scary is after you've gone to Bangladesh and you come back here You're looking at a bunch of rich people if you lived in Bangladesh. Everybody drives their own car. Did you get here in your own car? How many of you just walked to church? Uh, How many of you walk on dirt floors? Anybody have carpet in your house? Anybody just... When when I was a kid, you know what was the big event of the year? Every summer, we would get new linoleum in the front room. Linoleum. Anybody ever walk on linoleum? I just put in new carpets about third time in 29 years. And it's stupid because I let you in and you just dirty it. You don't take off your shoes. Good night. Where's your manners? See, I am suspicious throughout history. Help me now. George Varna said the greatest legacy we can have is to reach children between the age of 5 to 12. For he says it is in that critical period that all their values And character will be developed, and they just live it out in the teen years. And you know what? In churches, guess where churches put a lot of their money? A lot of times they put it with adults. Kids are a mess. Kids are work. Kids are. Guess what? It might be the best soil we can sow in. Or do we need to get them up here? They're 30 years old. They're into drugs. And they're into this. And, and sin, because sin tramples on the heart. Lots of sin makes you hard. Lots of sin gets you obstinate. Lots of sin makes that serve. You can't reach me. We know we can't. You're going to hell unless God in mercy some way can break up the hardness of your heart. He may have to kill your children, nearly kill you. I don't know what it will take. Something's got to plow you under to ever get you to receive this word. I don't know what it is. And that's why he said some sow, some water. And I think he ought to say some break up, break up hard ground. Our area is a hard ground area. It's a non-Bible belt. It's drugs. It's sex. It's homosexuality. It's making money. It's the fast. Busy. You know why services get less attended? We're busy. We're busy. We're going faster nowhere. We got a life to live. We can't be serving kids in church. I can't sign up for nursery. I can't work with children. I'm a busy man. I make good money. Oh, and where will it be, and where will your children be when you die of a heart attack at 52 years of age? just saw my dentist last week. He said, man, a buddy just died, 52, heart attack. Who, who was God not to tell us he's going to take him? I'm telling you, the treasures around us are these little guys that nobody but our volunteers, which are 175 people thank God for them. That says, we better reach them soon. Don't wait till the, you know what's tough? Let me tell you something about kids. This is what's scary. Uh, When I was a kid, I could ride a bike five miles. I grew up in the Richmond Triangle. I grew up where a black gets killed. So far, we've had three or four killed this year in Richmond. I grew up in those neighborhoods. I could ride my bike five miles anywhere I wanted when I was six years old. And I did it. Uh, has things changed? Sure, they've changed. What's happened? Sin has so penetrated and shaped our culture that kids are now as hard at age nine as it used to take them to be 15. Because the devil is successful stealing the gospel and getting his seed and his thorns sown on MTV, condoms in school, sex for everybody, drugs for anybody who can lie, cheat, steal, and sell their body to get it. So we got nine-year-olds. I was watching TV the other night. A three-year-old was using terms like we say MF. Three years. This is on 2020. Rudeness in our culture a little three-year-old, and mom is there watching. Isn't this cute? Three years old. I'm telling you, the soil around is is hard. Look for someone desperate. Look for someone poor. Poverty has always played into the hands of the gospel, whether you like it or not. We can't reach the rich in India easily. We have always reached the poor, and the rich despise Christians. It says, yours is a faith of poor people. Guess what? The poor receive him gladly. The rich don't. A few. And I'm not preaching against money. Get all the money you can, but be sure you make it to heaven. Don't trade your soul for it. Where is the soil? And I ask you this. Have you ever become a sower? Do you sow this seed? Or is this something you pay me to do? Are any of your loved ones going to hell? I got loved ones going to hell. I'm praying for grandchildren. I I got nine grandchildren, and I don't know yet if any of them are going to heaven. I have to tell God when I pray in the morning... I've got to get beyond my nine grandchildren. I don't want them to go to hell. And they will go to hell just like I was unless they receive Jesus Christ. What about yours? But I, I see us Christians witnessing. You know, like an evangelism explosion, they're starting out slow because they're training, they're building. That's the philosophy. But you know what? Should not every mouth of this church who has received eternal life be engaged in sowing good news? sowing the message, sowing the message by testimony, by a Bible lesson, by whatever gifting you have. But I want to get the seed sown. Then I ask you finally, what kind of hearer have you been? Are you the uh, pathway listener that you've heard a thousand sermons and you've only gotten harder and you can't remember the gospel? I asked a man the other day in the midst of a crisis. I said, tell me the gospel. How would you go to heaven? He froze. He couldn't tell me. I said, you may not be going. If I knew the answer to one question in life, you better know I would memorize the answer how I'm getting to heaven. And there are so many ambiguous answers. If I ask you how you think you're going, do a little bit of good works, go to church a little bit, a little feel good, I don't change where I live, I'm going to keep sleeping with who I'm sleeping with, I want to keep my lifestyle, you are going to hell. I don't care how much church you got. You're going to hell until a new fruit is born in your life. 30-fold, 60-fold, or 100. You can't be saved without the fruit of Christ. And this fruit, fruit is manifestation of life. Christ will manifest his life in whom he saved. But let me tell you, I've got to read you something. I'm not through, I'm just stopping. But I, I, I want to read you something. That in this day, what I see, and I wrote it down, I thought it was so good. We live in a day in the midst of all the sentimental believing And all of this, uh, uh, oh, what I call a watering down of Christ, that uh, we've got this kind of an attitude. Today, the gospel has been lost to much of the church. The goal has been to meet your felt needs. Did you know what? Your felt need might not be your real need. You may not even feel you need God, but your real need is you need God. And that the goal of Christianity is not salvation for you, it's glory for God. We've become so man-centered. We're always trying to meet all these. What about the glory of God, his righteousness, his wrath, his judgment? Can you get vertical enough? I don't want to be vertical. I want to be entertained. I want to be tickled. You've got to be a good speaker. You didn't use enough audiovisuals today. They won't save you. Neither will the sound system. A message will save you. A message quickened by the Spirit of God to your heart. And I'm not bad mouthed. I'll be using PowerPoint tonight. Don't get me out here and make me weird. Follow what I'm saying. It's a message. That changes. And we're living in a day of synthetic gospel. And I I hear stuff like this because I'm sure my age. Felt needs, pop religion, Christ without morals, Christ without holiness, Christ without commitment to what he loves and died to establish his church and evangelism. But I want to tell you, if it does not look like Jesus, act like Jesus, promote Jesus, it is antichrist in the name of religion. Christ without calling sin, sin. Christ without the blood of the cross. Christ without an empty tomb. is superficial, short-lived, and you have banked on an eternal, ruinous message. You must have the Christ that drops the chains off of you. You must have the Christ that bled a vicious criminal's death on a cross. I don't care what you think about the blood. We believe there's no remission for sin without blood. And I want you to know Christ is not in the tomb. He's out. I'm going to tell you the gospel sets free. If you don't think it free, you're not free. This message sets you free. Don't tell me drugs are stronger. Don't tell me sexual addiction is strong. i got to have pornography. You've never found anything better. When you find Christ, you will find the pearl of great price. You'll taste of something so great, it makes everything in this world seem like a waste of your time. I want to tell you, Christ saves, he satisfies. He said, once you drink of me, you'll never thirst again. If you eat of me, you'll never be hungry again. Don't tell me you're born again and sin looks better than Christ. You've not met him, for to meet him is to be forever changed. If you're over here dabbling in sin, you know, I must say this. I'm so tired of you men and pornography, I'm going to throw up. Hear me. When are you going to grow up? When are you going to grow up? You're stronger than that computer. You know, there's some sins I see men in our church at 35 wrestling with that I got settled when I was 16. I found out when I was 16, I can't screw girls and do the will of God. Is that too blunt? Call it whatever you want. I'm walking home one night. God said, are you going to go all the way with that girl? I said, Jesus, why are you talking that way to me? Because of the way you're acting. Well, what are you trying to say? I'm saying you're in no condition to date anybody. Fifteen years old. I would never get my ring back. I was in love at 15. (laughs) Carolyn's not here today. I can say that. (laughs) I broke up with her because I wanted to keep my pants zipped. Now, is that basic? Is that crazy? Do 15-year-old boys quit having sex with girls? Do you, when they get saved, they do. And you know what? I want to tell you this. I see some men, they're always talking pornography. And I'll tell you the way to overcome a negative bent. When you pursue true romance with Christ and you treat your wife right, you won't need to fantasize about some chick that was made up on the Internet that might not be the real thing. I'm amazed at how many guys are looking at porno and their poor wife is a dry well at home. They don't even show up to kiss her. Hang out with her. One woman with an ordinary man ought to do you for life. You couldn't handle another one if you had him. You ought to get over here. Start doing the right. Just do the right. Just do the right. Love on your wife. Love your God. And you won't always be controlled by the negative tide. It's always there. So I always there. a naked woman is always tripped up, men. That's nothing new. It's nothing new. But people who've known God have escaped a thousand temptations, and it was out of I love something greater than what's trying to draw me away. And you'll give evidence of what kind of soil you are. Will you hold on? Will you persevere? And when you stay there until God finally bears some fruit out of the soil of your life, may you do it. Our Father, I don't know what kind of hearers most of these folks are saved, but there might be folks here, they've heard a hundred sermons and they know all the church talk, but they don't know Jesus. Only you know that. I ask for you to save them. This church has loved them. This church has welcomed them. This church has been good to them. Or else they wouldn't come back. And we will continue to do so. But a soul in the balances. In which you may say, Tonight I require your soul of you. Surely this is the time to respond to the word of God. Let him who has ears hear what he's saying to us. Father, I thank you that the seed finally penetrated my stubborn heart because my heart was plowed up by the prayers of my sister, and my father, and my aunt. I see so much soil is prepared through the intercessory prayers of the saints. Or just love when my Uncle Frank loved me. How it disarmed my backslidden heart. Made me homesick to come home. May we saints be soil preparers. May we pray and kind of prepare the soil every way we can. Plow, as it were. Pull the weeds. That some way the word might penetrate. Oh, us sowers would like to say it better say it shorter, say it deeper, but we're mere men, mere sowers. We're counting on the seed and the divine providence of God to keep the birds away and the thorns from winning. Please save. Let no one be deceived. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: And that will conclude our time today here on Truth For Today from Valley Bible Church in Hercules with our teacher and pastor Phil Howard.